0: Aren't kids great? All right, how many of you would have waited? How many would have just eaten the one? How many of you just don't really care? So this morning we are finishing off our series in pray, talking with our Father in the gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, the ushers are in the back. They would love to bring you one. Just raise your hand and they will come, uh, Put one, place a Bible in your hand. So don't we all feel like those little ones at times? I mean, we all deal with temptation that's just right in front of us, and we can try to ignore it or just stare at it. We can try to wait it out, maybe close our eyes, maybe we'll just smell it or touch it or maybe lick it. Right, we we all have temptation in our life, and this morning we are talking about temptation because that's what the Lord's Prayer, the last verse, verse 13, talks about. And temptation, it's, it's persistent. It's not just like a one-time marshmallow. It's, it's continuous. It doesn't tell us we only have to wait 15 minutes and at the end we get two, right? It's completely different. It's, once you give into it, it's easier to get back into it. It's easier to give into it again. Kind of like when, I'm sure all of us are like this, but when I'm driving and all of a sudden I hear the bzz, bzz, And I hear my phone, and I know since 2009 it's been illegal to operate a handheld cell phone and and call or make texts, but that might be the president calling. (laughs) Or or that might be telling me, my wife, we're going into labor with the second kid that I didn't even know that we were expecting, right? It could be a very important call that I didn't even know, but yet I'm tempted. And as soon as I look at it, even while I'm driving, the next time I hear it, it's easier to do it again. Right? And again, and again. And that's how temptation works in our lives. So again, we're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And this is what it says for us this morning. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, we're going to be talking about temptation. and, And the Bible shows us a very specific way with how to deal with it. But before we even discuss it, we need to look at the whole prayer. This being the last week, if you've missed a week or you maybe you don't know it, let's just read it together. It'll be on the screen for all of you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So just a few observations that you might have missed. First, this is a Christian prayer. This is a prayer in which Jesus gave to his disciples as an example. And it is a prayer of a believer in God and in Christ and saying, you know what? God, you are supreme on the throne. Your will be done in heaven and on earth through me Um, I ask for my daily bread you will provide for me and you have given me forgiveness and now I'm going to work on my temptations this is the prayer of the believer because temptation as a Christian what we see temptation as is anything that gets in the way of our chief end which is to give glory to God anything that drives a wedge between us and God should be considered a temptation now, if you don't consider yourself a Christian this morning or you're, you're questioning, keep asking questions. We love questions and, and welcome, but this would not be your prayer. And the temptations that we're talking about would be very different just because your goal is different. Um, just like in the film, the two children at the very beginning said, We're going to wait. Right. They had the goal of waiting the full 15 minutes to get the second marshmallow. The one girl that was all dressed up, it must have been Halloween or something, and she said, well, if you wait 15 minutes, you'll get a second marshmallow. What did she do? She just put it in her mouth. She had no intention of waiting for the second marshmallow. So it's the same way. If you are not a Christian, your goals are different, and so you are going. the temptations are going to be um, not the same. Second, the order of the prayer is significant. The order of the prayer is significant because we have put God on the throne. God, you are God and I am not. Let your will be done um, and provide for me, which he has. Provide for me physically, provide for me spiritually, and he has forgiven us. He has taken off the burden of our shame and our guilt. And then it's after that that we are asking to lead us away from temptation. It's not before. We are not earning salvation. We are not earning our forgiveness. It is something that is given to us, and that is one thing that enables us to work on and practice this Christian life, to to follow Jesus in his footsteps. So the order of the prayer is even communicating to us that forgiveness is not something that we can earn, but something that is given. So the order is significant. So, now looking at this verse, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. We're going to divide it into two. We're going to divide it into two sections. So, first, the first section, the battle of leading loves. This is the battle of leading loves. So, lead us not into temptation because temptation is anything that's taking you away from your goal. Paul describes what we deal with temptation, which temptation is not a sin, it is just trying to distract us from our goal that we have a war waging within us. We have our flesh and we have the spirit battling it out and that we are fighting it as Christians, those who call on Christ. So lead us not into temptation, it's kind of a funny request, isn't it? I mean, in many ways you could read it and go, well, would God lead us into temptation if we weren't asking him not to? And we know in James that James says, well, God can't tempt you. Um, and That God won't tempt you. So what, what is going on here? I mean, we've all felt these desires. We all know that we have these selfish pulls of the flesh. What are we saying when we say, God, lead us not into temptation? And when the prayer is emphasizing the negative, I mean, he's he's emphasizing the positive by saying the negative. So an example of this is like when my wife and I we love to go walk down at Strands, you know, right down at Selva. It's beautiful. You can pull right up. You see the beautiful um, ocean line. The the water is always turquoise blue, and the sky is orange and pink, and the, and the sun is setting. You don't even have to get out of your car, right? And let's say we're we're walking, and we call it the Strands Loop. Let's we're walking the Strands Loop, and we're we're having a very intimate moment, and and I say. Camden, I love you. Never leave me. When I say never leave me, in her mind, is she going, is he expecting me to leave? No. And so by saying the negative, what is she hearing? What am I emphasizing? I love to be around you. I love your presence. I want to always be with you. So by saying the negative, we're emphasizing the positive. And so crying out, Lord, lead us not into temptation. What we are saying is, Lord, we know we have these desires of our flesh. Lead us away from them. Take us as far away from these desires um, as, as we can get because God, we, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, but take us away because we can't do it on ourselves. So when we pray, again, we are praying, Lord, take us away because you have provided for us because no one is safe from temptation. This isn't anything new. We've seen temptation all over the Bible, right? I mean, in the very third chapter of the Bible, there's temptation with Adam and Eve, which their temptation was what? To become like God, right? And then Jesus himself was tempted he was, went out into the desert and was tempted by Satan three times. And almost any person in the Bible, you will see some sort of temptation, a pull of their flesh to, to lift themselves up and to put God low. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who would think after Jesus would live the most Christianly Christian-y life that we can even, uh, could be our uh, model or example, he talks about this in Romans chapter 7. This is what he says, verse 13. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He continues, verse 18, he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That is our story, isn't it? We, we do what we don't want to do, and we don't what we don't want to do we do and Paul is saying you know we have to ask God to lead us away from it and what are we doing we are crying out Lord lead us away because on our power on our own we can't do anything except what we don't want to do what our our flesh wants what we struggle with And so this is our struggle, brothers and sisters, this war that is waging on inside of us that we have no power over the outcome other than the power of the Spirit which Christ has given to us. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is, even though we know something was wrong, why do we give in to them? Why do we give in to these temptations? What's behind the desires? First, on a surface level, because it feels good. It feels good in the moment to give in to our desires. It, it feels good to be affirmed for the good grades that we received, even if we had to cheat a little bit to get them. It feels good to have a little extra money in my pocket even if I had to not pay my full amount in taxes. It feels good to, to get, be given attention even if I have to wear something provocative, right? It, it, it feels good to shape the outlook of other people, even if I have to use manipulation and, and gossip to do it. It feels good to think more highly of myself than others because then I I I feel more high higher or I feel higher than other people. So why are we tempted by all these? Because on the surface level, it feels good, but you know what? It really tells us something else. More than it just feels good, it shows us that we are trying to satisfy a need that we that god we think god is not satisfying it is an indictment of god that you aren't providing enough for me you are not giving me the comfort that i need you're not providing the control you don't have control god because so i might need i need to get it you aren't you don't might not have the power so i need to have the power lord you aren't enough in affirming me so i need to be affirmed or appreciated by other people so what are you, what are, we all need to ask ourselves, what am I trying to satisfy by these temptations that I have more naturally that come to me? And we have different things that, that are, we are trying to satisfy, these felt needs, these things that we think God isn't necessarily providing, but you know what? If we look into his word, he is. He is providing. And so this statement, lead us not into temptation, is the opposite. It's, Lord, we don't have the power to do it, lead us because I know where I will lead us. I will, be, I will lead myself, I will lead my family to what seduces me, to what's most attractive. And we've all been there in a position where we feel like nothing has gone our way. We're down out of our luck. Um, my wife and I, we call it halt when we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Right? And we go, God, why are you doing this? And so we revert back to our temptations because God obviously isn't doing it. His plan isn't working, so I'm going to take over and do my plan. And so God gives us tools to combat this. And we, this should be the, one of the greatest things. First, this prayer. When we pray, it helps us combat our temptations. And, and through the prayer, we see that God gives us the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this in Galatians 5.16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so we empower the Spirit by by prayer, through reading of our God's Word, His Word, as we memorize it, as we meditate it, as we pray through it, as we get to know it, and we see its direction, the Holy Spirit will have more and more influence in our life, and then we will be able to revert, and He will propel us past our temptations to Himself. One that we don't take advantage of, another tool that God gives us, is each other. So now look at each other and uh, confess to one another. Ready? Go. Just kidding. We wouldn't do that. We'll save that to later. No, but honestly, one of the greatest tools that we have to flee from temptation, to be led from it, is one another. I was recently speaking to a Christian man who he was telling me about um, really his testimony, but his past. And it, in in every definition of the word, his past would be considered scandalous. And in sharing his past with me, there was a great amount of shame. And I challenged him to say, you know what, you have have shared your history with very few people. Think how many people would be encouraged that God's grace even covers your scandalous past. That through the scandal, through the temptations that you felt, God came through in the end and through your weakness, his strength is magnified and exemplified. And we should be sharing our pasts with each other. We should be sharing even our current temptations because we can be an encouragement to one another to be propelled by the Holy Spirit to be led away from temptation, but we don't do that very well, right? We like to be buttoned up on Sunday morning in our Sunday best but no, we are, we're in the mess currently and we need to be sharing with one another. So we have this battle of leading loves going on, this war waging on inside of us. So second, God uses all things to carry us to himself. God uses all things to carry us to himself. And this is the part, but deliver us from evil. So I I have it, God uses all things to carry himself. That sounds too nice. It's probably God uses all things to drag us to himself. Right? I mean it's not nice just carrying, it's more of a, a dragging because we fight it. We fight it. But it's only by his power and his direction that leads us to the cross. And so God drags us to himself, even though sometimes we don't like it, it's painful and we don't necessarily see it. But what we're doing is we are taking a step back and seeing the bigger picture, not our plan, but his plan. And so we have to take um, a step back and say, God, deliver us, deliver us from what we know sometimes, deliver us by our own intentions, by our own desires. Lord, deliver us and save us, because those things will only bring us evil. I mean, use everything in my life to take me as far from evil as possible. Now, some of you have probably memorized this passage as the evil one, right? Deliver us from the evil one. And, and that's it's a good translation. But in my study, I don't want to limit it to the evil one. I think it's deliver us from evil, meaning, you know, it includes the evil one. We are in a spiritual battle against an adversary in Satan, And it includes all of his tactics to steal, kill, and destroy, but it's not limited to that. Anything that is evil is anything not of God. And so deliver us, God, from anything that is not of you is what we are crying out. Because since we are in this spiritual battle, it is of the Spirit. So, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I will always fail. And so with this in mind, we can look at this passage and with confidence see it as God delivering us from evil and to himself. Like Peter says in 1 Peter 2, chapter, um, verse 24, he says, he being Jesus himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So it's not that we are just being, being delivered from evil, being told, Don't give in to temptation. Don't give in to what you most naturally desire. Carve it out. Be good little boys and girls in Sunday school. No, what we're being told is, you know what? Yes, we do need to change. There is some sin in our life that we are being drawn to that we need to take out, but replace it with something much better. Replace it with something that is, that is good and right and just with, with God himself. I mean, it's like even in the toil, it's much like an athlete who trains every day, which training is painful. Training is not fun. A lot of times there's very little motivation to train, but what is the athlete looking towards? Not the everyday training, but the ultimate prize, the championship, whatever that may be. And God knows that anything that tempts us has the potential to distract us from himself, to, to take us away and pull us away. While I was writing this sermon this week, I came in Friday. Fridays are normally my day off. And there wasn't anyone in the office. So I was just looking for some quiet. I, have, I usually watch my, my son. I got a babysitter. I was in the office all by myself. One person saw me go into the office. And I was over in the corner. And all of a sudden I hear the door open up and someone asks, is a pastor here? And the one person that saw me said, yes, Micah's here. And so she leads this gentleman in and this gentleman, we went on to talk for 45 minutes. But I don't think it's a coincidence because for 45 minutes, how he started, he said, I went to this church 20 years ago. I was a Christian, but I fell into my temptations. And that is what separated me for God from God for 19 and a half years. Was that a coincidence? No. And so our, our temptations yes, they're not sins, but when we give in to them, they have the opportunity to separate us from what we know to be true. But we don't have a God who, who his ultimate goal is that we just follow the rules or force us into submission. We're not overcoming personal temptation just for the sake of self-betterment. Christ is not a version of self-help. It Is out of the utmost care for our well-being and concern for us. Because we have a God that wants the very best for us, which is himself. And so, yes, we're to strive to rid ourselves or flee from temptation, but it is God that is faithfully empowering you, dragging you to himself. And for many of us, it kind of works out like this. All right, so I couldn't find a big marshmallow. So I got Sammy the S'more, all right? So before, before we were in Christ, we, we embraced Our s'more. We embraced our marshmallow, right? We were living in it. We gave into it. It's what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until Christ called us to himself in which with our marshmallow, with everything that was about us, we embraced Christ. Yet we still had our marshmallow. We were still living in it. And it's through the Christian life, through God's word, through the power of the Holy Spirit that we slowly are able to let go. And even as we are holding on to our temptations, we are holding on to Christ and we are being pulled in several directions. And even as our focus is on Christ, it's not by our own power because we naturally have a tendency to want to look down at our temptations and the Holy Spirit keeps, keeps bringing us back, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's late at night and I, I want to look at my temptation, maybe on my phone when no one's around. Maybe when I'm feeling down, I can be abusive to other people. Maybe it's when I'm all alone is when, you know what, I go to the temptation that's in a bottle. But Christ keeps calling us to himself. And as Christians, it is our goal to ultimately be able to drop our marshmallow and fully embrace Christ. So Christ, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen? Amen, And yet it is a struggle, and it 's going to be a struggle for the rest of our lives until we are with Christ face to face in glory. And, that's w- and And this part of the sermon, that's why we're going to move into communion to remind ourselves what we're even doing here. Yes, we have temptations, but we've been forgiven because of the cross, and it's because of Jesus. Because Jesus came in the form of a man, in the form of a baby to a man, to give his life for us. And, and that last night with his disciples, he says, this is my, my, my body and my blood broken for you. But he also goes on and says, you know what? I am not going to take of this cup again until I am with you in paradise. Meaning, yes, you are here and now is, you have, you're going to realize many of my promises now, but it's not complete. And you are still gonna have those struggles. You're still gonna have the temptations of the flesh. That war is still going to wage with inside of you. But you know what? Look forward to the day in which we are face to face in perfection, in which you have completely rid yourself of all the sinful desires of your heart and replaced it with God. And we can be together for all eternity. And so please pray with me as the ushers pass around the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done through your Son. And Lord, as we continue to live in your Spirit, by your Spirit, Lord, we just pray that you will be dragging us to yourself even as we fumble, even as we trip. Lord, help us to grow in the power of your your Spirit, Lord. Help it to propel us towards you. Help us to be people that are encouraging one another, even as we do have these poles on our flesh. Lord, help us to, to live out what we have in Christ. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.